2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9, we'll begin at verse 1. I'm going to use the New Living Translation this morning because I like the way that it renders the Scripture. And so we're going to look at it from that perspective this morning. Uh, I have entitled my message today, When Contentment is the Victory. When contentment is the victory. We live in a world where nothing short of absolute victory satisfies us any longer. I mean, if we don't have an undefeated season with a championship at the end, then we feel like that the whole season has been a failure. Uh, we, we get to this place in our life where we just expect everything to come to absolute and total positive fruition in our life. And when that doesn't happen then we're discouraged and we're depressed and we're frustrated and we can't enjoy the blessings that we do have. And so this morning, I want us to talk about that for a few moments. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not sure exactly where I'm going to land today, but I am going to land somewhere. I, I can assure you that. But I want to talk to you for a few moments, and I'm going to speak from the perspective of a man by the name of Mephibosheth. Now, if you saw any of the social media stuff over the last couple of days, I suggested that you practice saying that name, Mephibosheth, so that if the Holy Ghost gets on you today, you'll be able to say it properly. <laughs> so why don't, why don't we just try that one time? Let, let's say Mephibosheth. Are you ready? Mephibosheth. Hey, you did, you did well. Beginning at verse 1 in chapter 9. It says, one day, David, one day David asks, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. And Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? He, the king asked. He is in Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makur, the son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Makur's home. His name was Mephibosheth. And he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. And when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. That you should show such kind, excuse me, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. And Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? And then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. 
Zeba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Zeba replied, Yes, my lord the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Now I want you to flip over to 2 Samuel chapter 16. Just a few pages to the right. And let's begin at verse 1 and we'll read chapter 16, 1 through 4. It says, When David had gone a little beyond the summit of the Mount of Olives, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, was waiting there for him. He had two donkeys loaded with 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 bunches of summer fruit, and a wineskin full of wine. I'm hungry. How about you? <clears throat> what are these for? The king asked Ziba. And Ziba replied, the donkeys are for the king's people to ride on, and the bread and the summer fruit are for the young men to eat. The wine is for those who become exhausted in the wilderness. And where is Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, the king asked. He stayed in Jerusalem, Ziba replied, for he said, today I will get back the kingdom of my grandfather Saul. In that case, the king told Ziba, I give you everything that Mephibosheth owns. I bow before you, Ziba replied. May I always be pleasing to you, my lord, the king. Now go over a couple more pages to 2 Samuel chapter 19. And begin at verse 24 with me. Chapter 19, verse 24. When Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson came down from Jerusalem to meet the king. He had not cared for his feet. He had not trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes since the day the king left Jerusalem. Why didn't you come with me, Mephibosheth? The king asked. And Mephibosheth replied, My lord, the king, my servant Ziba deceived me. I told him, saddle my donkey so I can go with the king. For as you know, I am crippled. Ziba has slandered me by saying that I refused to come. But I know that my Lord the king is like an angel of God. So do what you think is best. All my relatives and I could expect only death from you, my Lord. But instead... You have honored me by allowing me to eat at your own table. What more can I ask? You have said enough, David replied. I've decided that you and Ziba will divide your land equally between you. Give him all of it, Mephibosheth said, for I am content just to have you safely back again, my Lord, the King. Father, thank you for your word today. I know that we've jumped a few and we've skipped a little for the sake of time today, but the story is there for us to read and to understand. 
And Lord, I pray that you'll help me today as your messenger to be, to, to be able to explain this in such a way that people who may be sitting here and listening to my voice today will understand that sometimes, Father, things don't work out the way that we hope they would. Sometimes we don't get what we prayed for and what we asked for. Sometimes your answer is no. Sometimes your answer is wait. And absolutely, sometimes your answer is yes. But Lord, we have to find a way to cope with every situation that we find ourselves in. So I pray that today that you will help me to communicate this message in an effective manner and that before we leave this house today that we will be able to make a conscious decision that whatever you decide for our lives, Father, that we're going to consider ourselves blessed and we're going to stand in the contentment of knowing that you are our Father and that every good gift comes from you. And you are blessing us even in times when we have to stand in our contentment. I ask you to help me today. Open our ears, Lord, that we might hear. For we ask it in Jesus' lovely name, amen and amen. amen. Let me ask you this morning, do you get everything that you want from God every time? I haven't seen any hands go up. And there's one. Amen. I don't. There are times that I pray and I seek the Lord and I ask Him to answer my prayer in a particular way and oftentimes He chooses to go another direction for my life. Now this is a very popular Old Testament story that we've read probably many, many times. And I got to thinking this week about the perspective of Mephibosheth. Now here's a man who seemingly had no reason to hope for any blessing at all. And then, and then David decides that he's not going to just bless him, but he's going to bring total restoration to the land that Saul had once owned. And he was going to allow him to come into his own house and eat with him the rest of his life. Man, you talk about grace. Now that's a dose of grace right there. David decided to bless someone who was not worthy of the blessing that he received. But by grace, David blessed him anyway. But as is often the case, sometimes life throws us some curveballs. Every now and then, even though we know that we're abundantly blessed, and because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are standing in His blessing, sometimes life throws things at us that we simply did not anticipate, did not expect, and did not ask for. And that was exactly what happened, not only in the life of Mephibosheth, but in the life of Ziba, and in the life of King David. And so today I want to talk to you for just a few moments about how that life changes sometimes and causes us to have to change our uh, stance in victory. We are victorious. We are ultimately going to win every battle that we ever face. But as long as we're in this world, this fallen world, there are things that we will have to tend to in our lives from time to time, things that will come our way uh, in our relationships and in our life. Now, in this particular situation, 
As you know, Mephibosheth was a a recipient of David's grace. He had asked, uh, is there anybody in Saul's household family that I can bless? Because if there is, I want to bless them because of Saul and my friendship with Jonathan. He found this man by the name of Ziba who had been serving uh, King Saul. And he said, well, yes, as a matter of fact, there is one. uh, And his name is Mephibosheth, but he is lame in his feet. In other words, you know, he's not the perfect lamb that you might want to bless, but he was the only one there. And David said, bring him to me. I'm going to bless him. And when Mephibosheth came, he couldn't believe that the king was going to bless him. He just referred to himself as a dead dog. He said, I have nothing to offer. I I am limited in what I can do. I can't even get up and walk across the room. So I'm not worthy of the blessing that you might want to bestow upon me. But David said to him, don't you be afraid, Mephibosheth. I don't you to worry about any of that whatsoever because I'm going to bless you because Because of your lineage and because of your family. And he restored to him all of the land that had belonged to to Saul. And then he told Ziba, he said, I want you to farm the land for him and provide everything that is needed. And then I'm going to take Mephibosheth and he's going to come into my quarters and he's going to live in my house and he's going to eat my food and I am going to take care of Mephibosheth. What a blessing! But then something happened that they weren't expecting. You see, David had a son by the name of Absalom. And Absalom wanted the kingdom. And he knew that if he held out because for, for the natural process... Uh, that he would never be the king because Solomon was in line. And so he knew that he could not be the king, so he decided that he would take it for himself. And he rebelled against David, and he brought people in the kingdom of Israel to stand with him, and Absalom decided that he was going to take the kingdom away from David. And he had enough people that were with him that it, that it, it caused David to get his people together and flee the king's household. And so he's getting ready to flee so that he can hide from his son Absalom. And he's getting all of his people together and he is fleeing into the wilderness. And then we see what takes place as he's leaving. Ziba goes to Mephibosheth and Mephibosheth says, saddle my donkey because I'm going with the king. I'm going with David, but Ziba would not saddle the donkey for him and allow him to go. And so when they got outside of town, the scripture says when they got just outside of town and into the mountains that Ziba came to David and brought supplies to him, brought him two donkeys and brought him fruit and bread and, and supplies and water. And when he was there, the king said to him, where is Mephibosheth? And why did not Mephibosheth come with me? And Ziba said, he stayed back Because he said that this is the time that the kingdom of Saul will be restored to me. He was lying about it. And he was misrepresenting the truth. And he was causing Mephibosheth to look negatively in the eyes of the king. 
And so now Absalom does his best to take away the kingdom and, 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 and yet David's men rally around him. And the scripture says that they found Absalom one day. He had been riding through the woods and he was evidently quite a, a beautiful man and, and he had long hair and flowing locks and he's riding through and his hair got caught in the trees. And so they literally, I love the way the scripture puts it. It says, and when his hair got caught in the tree branches, the donkey went on. I could preach on that right there, but that's a message for another day. Sometimes the donkey just needs to walk on. You know what I'm saying? But they found him hanging. He was not dead, but he couldn't get away because his hair was caught in the branches. And someone, young man came and they found Absalom hanging there and had the perfect opportunity to kill him, but he wouldn't kill him. And so he runs back and he says, he says to Joab, he says, Joab, he said, the young man is hanging. And he said, why didn't you kill him? He said, because I was afraid the king would find out because the king had declared you be good to Absalom and treat him nicely. Yes, he's trying to take my throne. Yes, he's trying to take my kingdom, but he is my son and I want you to treat him with respect. So when Joab heard about it, he picked up the scripture says three spears, not one, not two, but three. And he ran to the location where, where um, Absalom was hanging. And the scripture says that he stuck those spears uh, in his heart and yet he did not die. And there were other young men who came and they brought their spears and they stuck him 10 more times until eventually Absalom died. So the word got to David that your enemy Absalom is dead. He is no longer alive. You're safe. You can return home. And so David mourned for quite a while over the, the loss of his son whom he loved. And then he got his people together and he said, we're going home. And so when they went home, one of the first people that he met was Mephibosheth. And the scripture says that from the day that David left until the day that he returned, Mephibosheth would not take care of himself. He didn't take care of his feet. Man, I, I don't know how that would smell. You know what I'm saying? That, that could be pretty rough if you know what I'm saying. He didn't take care of his feet. He didn't shave his mustache or his beard. He didn't wash. He didn't do anything because he was in mourning because the king was gone and he could not go with him. And so when he said, why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? He said, my servant Ziba has misrepresented the truth to you and did not tell you exactly what happened because I was ready to come. I asked him to put my donkey, the saddle on my donkey. In fact, if you look in the original Hebrew, what he said was, I will saddle the donkey myself. But he could not because he was crippled in his feet. He tried, but he couldn't do it. And so he asked Ziba to help him, and Ziba would not help him. 
And so Mephibosheth said, he has lied about me and he has said things about me that simply were not true. I tried to come with you. I tried to come to you. And yet he lied about me. And this is where it gets tough. Because when David hears his story, he says, you've said enough. He said, you've said enough, and here's the decision that I'm going to make. He said, you and Ziba will share the land that I originally gave to you. It's no longer just yours. Because when I thought that you had abandoned me, I gave everything that I had given to you previously, I gave it to Ziba. And so now what I'm declaring is what was once all yours is now only half yours and half of it is Zeba's. And he said, the two of you get together and work it out. (laughs) Now, I don't know if you've ever had anything like that happen in your life, but I'm telling you, can you imagine the emotions that Mephibosheth felt when he realized that what had one time been his and his only, and the servant who had been, who had been appointed to work the land, till the land, bring in the harvest, bring in the crops, and bring it to Mephibosheth, Sheth was now an equal with him. I would say that'd be a little bit frustrating, wouldn't you? I would say I might feel a little bit burnt and frustrated that the king made a decision, especially after I had explained to the king the truth of what happened. I think I'd be a little bit upset. I believe I'd want to give that king a piece of my mind is what I think I'd want to do. But it's interesting to me what he did. He says, he said, King, I want you to give it all to Zeba. I don't want any of it. He said, I want you to give it all to me because I am content just to know that you are safe, that you are okay, and that I am in your presence once again. Now you think about that level of contentment. He wasn't worried about the blessing. He wasn't worried about the land. He wasn't worried about how many cows that he had and how many sheep that he had. He wasn't worried about his material goods. He wasn't worried about any of those things. He simply wanted the king to know that I'm content in knowing that our relationship has been restored and I am in your presence. There are three things that we need to understand that happens to us when this kind of circumstance comes in. And the first player in this kind of scenario scenario is often a cool-handed companion. That's what David was. Here's a man who had once loved Mephibosheth. Here's a man who had extended grace to him. Here's a king who had invited him into his household and said, I'm going to restore everything that had been taken to you and your lineage, it's all yours, it's back in your hands. In fact, I'm going to appoint a servant to go out and work the land on your behalf and he'll take the harvest in and he will bring it to you and I'm going to bring you into my house and you're ever, ever going to eat at my table and I'm going to bless you. 
He had blessed him in every possible way. Mephibosheth said, why would you want to do that? I'm just like a dead dog. I, I have nothing to offer, but David wanted to bless him. And he was a man of graciousness. But when we get to the end of this story, this one who had had a red hot love for Mephibosheth now had a cool handed approach to him. He was angry with him because he did not find a way to go with him and show his support when he was fleeing from the enemy. And so David changed his opinion of him. David changed the way that he was going to bless him. David took half of what he had given to him and gave it to someone else. He had not taken him at his word. Even after Mephibosheth had told him the whole story, after he, had, after he had mourned physically, he had grown his beard out. He wouldn't wash his feet. And in those days, I mean, they washed their feet every time they came into the house because of the dusty terrain that they had to walk. And so for someone to refuse to wash their feet was an open act and word of mourning. I am in mourning. He had done all that and David didn't care any about that. The man who had one time loved him, he just, his love had cooled. I don't, I don't know if you've ever had anybody in your life like that. I, I took a, a class several years ago called conflict management. And it pertains primarily to a relationship between a husband and a wife. It can also apply to churches and, and, and people who at one time got along and now all of a sudden they can't get along any, any, anymore. But I learned in that class that the relationships that have the potential to hurt us the most are those relationships that at one time were the ones that we felt the most love from. Many times it's seen between a husband and a wife, a spouse, uh, parents and children. I know parents who have no relationship with their children anymore at all. And what was once a close-knit family has been torn apart because of circumstances. I know that many of you today, you live in households and in homes where there's no peace and there's no joy and there's no love. At least you don't feel it. It seems like that every day, it's a day of another kind of conflict. It's a day for another day for someone to be hurt and frustrated, for words to be spoken that, that, that will tear at your heart and tear you down. And that's exactly what happened here between King David and Mephibosheth. David, who had once loved him. David, who had once blessed him. David, who had once honored him, now has, has cooled on his relationship with him. And then there's another figure that we need to look at. Not only are there cool-handed companions, but you'll find in your life that there are cold-hearted colleagues. I mean, we're talking about people that they don't, they don't give a diddly rip about you. Oh, they may say they do. They may act like they do. They, they, you, you know, when you can bring advantage into their lives, the, oh, they think you're, you're just wonderful. You're scrumpdillicious. You're you're the you're you you know you're just as good as it can be. Oh, they'll they'll feed you out that line about how good you are and how great you are. 
But you just wait until you turn your back. And when you turn your back, all of a sudden they're telling somebody else what a wicked individual that you are. They don't know your heart. They don't know your motives. They think they do. And if they don't know them, they'll make something up behind your back until such a day that it needs to come forward. But when it is coming forward and being revealed, it is never to help you. It is always to help them. You know anybody like that? That's what Zeba was to Mephibosheth. Now, if you just think about it, Zeba had it good. I mean, really, basically, all that David gave to Mephibosheth was Zebus. Because Mephibosheth didn't live in that land. He didn't work those crops. He was in David's house. He was in the king's house. Only time Zeba ever had to hang out with Mephibosheth was when he needed to talk to him about a crop that was coming in or a crop that was being planted or a, or, or a, 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 um, a flock that was going to be acquired or sold. He, it was all his. He and his 15 sons could live in the land that at one time belonged to King Saul. And all he had to do was keep his nose clean. But there was something about Zeba. He didn't want it to be Mephibosheth's. He wanted it to be his. And so when it came time and Absalom began to gather those people around him so that he could take the kingdom from David, Ziba started playing his cards strategically in the places where they need to be played so that it would reflect negatively upon Mephibosheth. And so when Mephibosheth called him and said, hey, I need for you to saddle my donkey. I need to go with the king. My heart is with the king. I can't stay here when the king is fleeing. I got to go to where the king is. I've got to be with the king. He's the one who blessed me. Saddle my donkey. And Ziba said, no, I'm not going to saddle your donkey. And the scripture tells us that Mephibosheth tried to to, to saddle the donkey on his own and couldn't do it because he was crippled in his feet. Ziba was doing everything everything that he could to make sure that Mephibosheth could not remain in good standing with the king. So he took donkeys and he took summer fruit and he took bread and he took water. Why do you think he did that? Do you think he cared one bit about King David? Do you think he cared one bit about the people that around him? Oh, he said he did. When King said, when King David said, why have you brought me all these supplies? He said, well, I brought them for the king's people. I brought some scholars believe that the reason that he brought two donkeys was because at that time, David had two wives and he wanted to impress upon David that I have brought these donkeys so that your wives would not have to run or would not have to walk, but they could sit gently on these donkeys as you try to escape. He was was padding it for himself. And it's interesting, after receiving all of these gifts and all of these supplies and all of these things, David simply said, he said, where is Mephibosheth? He didn't care so much about the donkeys. He didn't care so much about the summer fruit. He didn't care so much about the bread. He didn't care so much about the supplies. He wanted to know, where is Mephibosheth? And Ziba knew that he was going to ask that question. 
He knew because he knew where David's heart was toward Mephibosheth. And he said, well, he didn't come. He said, and the reason that he did not come is because he told me that he was going to stay back and he was going to be here so that when the kingdom was restored to the throne of Saul, that he would be here in place. In other words, Ziba was saying, Mephibosheth wants your job. Mephibosheth wants your kingdom. It wasn't Mephibosheth. It was Absalom trying to get the kingdom. But Ziba made it seem like that he was the one trying to steal the kingdom and was positioning himself so that when the kingdom of David fell, that he could take the kingdom for himself. He was cold-hearted. I know that some of you are sitting there right now thinking, I got about three people that I'm going to start calling them Ziba. Because they're cold-hearted. They don't care about me. They say they do, but they don't really care about me because when the going gets tough, the only thing they can do is think about how they're going to look. The only thing they can think about is how it's going to reflect on me. The only thing they can think about is, is it going to be difficult for me? Is it going to cost me something? Is there something I'm going to have to sacrifice in order to raise uh, that person uh, that, that should be rightfully raised up? No, it's about me. It's about me and what I want. It's about me and my family. It's about my blessing. It's about my resources. It's about my riches. It, it, it's about my household. It's, it's about my flesh. It's about my family. It's not about anyone else. And this cold-hearted Zeba did everything that he could to make Mephibosheth look as bad as as he possibly could. So what do you do? The king's heart is now cool. The king's heart even is turned in such a way that what he had rightfully given you, at one point he took half of it away and gave it to somebody else. Most scholars believe that when David said, you've said enough, that in the original Hebrew, what he was saying is, I don't want to listen to this nonsense anymore. I don't want to hear your side of the story. I've got two people who are coming to me with differing stories and I don't know what is the truth. And not only do I not know what is the truth, I've got a son who has been out to get me and steal my kingdom away from me who is now dead. So Mephibosheth, get out of my face. I don't want to hear it anymore. You and Zeba, get yourselves together and figure out a way to make this work. Because I've given half to Zeba, and I've given half to you. Now work it out. Did you know that scripturally, from that point forward, we never hear another word about Zeba, and we never hear another word about Mephibosheth. All we hear about is how that David went on with his life and went all the way through the end of his kingdom. Zeba and Mephibosheth are not discussed any longer. So all that we can assume is, is that for the rest of Mephibosheth's life, he had to deal with the reality that a king who once had a red hot love for me has cooled his concern about me. And the man who once served me will do everything in his power to hurt me. 
I bring that out today because some of you are sitting in that same situation in your life. You've got people in your life that one time loved you with a red hot love and they don't love you like that anymore. You've got people in your life that at one time they were there to help you. They wanted, they wanted to give you every resource and, and see you blessed. But now they don't care about whether or not you're blessed. So what do you do in a situation like that? Well, I love the words in verse 30, chapter 19. And this is the key. All of that was introduction, by the way. I'm just kidding. I just want to see how many of you'd fall out on the floor if I said that. <laughs> Given all that had happened to Mephibosheth, this is what he says. He says, King, give Zeba every bit of it. Give him all of it. Give him everything. I don't want any of it. He said, I am content just to have you. <laughs> just to have you safely back again, my Lord, the King. Come help me quit if you will, Miss Donna. You see, sometimes, and this is, if you don't get anything else that I said today, I want you to get this. Sometimes your victory lies in your ability to be content in negative situations. I mean, if you're going through hell, that's right, keep on going, don't you dare stop. If you're going through difficulties in your life, if you're not careful, you can get really frustrated when you start thinking about all that you could have had and everything that was taken from you. When you start thinking about all those relationships that were one time sweet, but now they're sour. You think about the blessings financially that you could have had. And then you got that sickness in your body. Had to be in the hospital for weeks on end. And the bills piled up. Took every dime that you had. So I could keep going on and going on and going on and I'd probably hit every one of you in this house today. One of the false teachings of the contemporary church today is that we will always be on top of the world if we are in Christ. Lies, lies, lies. It's just not true. In the world you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You're going to go through difficult times and you're going to go through struggles, church. And you can either give in to it and become discouraged and frustrated and depressed and angry and aggravated and violent. And the words of your mouth 
instead of praise can be put downs instead of blessing others you'll desire to curse others and you will become a man or a woman so miserable that you won't want to see the next sunrise that takes place trust me I've been there I've walked through it so what do you do you have to find that place of contentment Mephibosheth said to King David you sir are like an angel from heaven that's what he said you're like an angel from God sir I am your servant and so whatever you decide for me so be it I'm just content to be back in your presence and to have you safely among me again you see when we put anybody or anything above our relationship with Jesus Christ when that individual or that stuff is taken away then our contentment and our joy is gone but when Jesus is the light of your life when he is the love of your life when he takes first place in your life then you can take everything else away and you'll be able to stand and square your shoulders and say God if I have nothing left but you then I'm okay I'm alright all is well with my soul if I am with you everything is well because of you. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you will and sing this song. Song.